From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams. If you want to reduce ER visits, if you want to improve health, if you want to reduce hospitalizations and help people, you've got to help people change behavior. Because at the end of the day, if you change 50 or 100 or 200 things a person does, can have a very dramatic impact on outcomes. That's Dr. Omar Manishwala talking about the importance that behavioral health plays in patient outcomes. We'll hear more from Omar on how COVID-19 has impacted America's comorbidity challenges. But first, a word from our sponsor. The journey from the new normal of 2020 to the next level in 2021 begins with measuring your progress and identifying opportunities for improvement. MGMA's new medical practice evaluation tool is a comprehensive web-based assessment built around MGMA's practice data and body of knowledge. Upon completion, practice leaders are given an evaluation score with actionable insights on how their organization measures against top performing practices. They'll also receive a curated list of practice improvement resources from MGMA. 2021 is the year to round out your learning and put our insights into practice. Visit mgma.com mpet for more information. Our guest today is Dr. Omar Manajwala, Chief Medical Officer of Dario Health. Omar is here today to talk about improving the outcomes of patients with chronic health conditions, the challenges of comorbidity in a COVID-19 environment, and solutions to be found in digital health tools. Omar, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, it's my, my uh, privilege to be with you here today. Now, going over your uh, your resume and your background, you're currently Chief Medical Officer with Dario Health. Um, I've been asking everybody this the past year because it has been a very different year. So where has your focus been? Yeah, sure. I think that's a great way to, to start, Daniel. And, 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 you know, our focus really has been on working to continually improve outcomes for people using data-driven technology. And, and the company has also really been focusing on, on growth initiatives within the employer and the health plan markets uh, to, to provide solutions for even more people who are, are battling uh, chronic illnesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, thanks for that. And we, uh, we had spoken offline on the topic of how COVID-19 has impacted America's comorbidity challenges. We've... Yeah seen that. We've covered it at MGMA, talked to a lot of uh, medical practices and other health systems about that. But I wanted to get your perspective on that since you're, you're really focused on that area. What, what are some of those biggest challenges? Sure. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen this. We've, we've seen where people with chronic conditions are maybe not getting their needed uh, maintenance care, their uh, preventive care that they need to manage those conditions. And, and that's bad for many reasons. I think your listeners understand that chronic conditions really are the primary problem in healthcare. 
And a lot of that could be changed if we focused on supporting people um, with digital tools to in, engage them and really get that behavior change. And, and chronic conditions have always been very difficult to manage. And, and now in this new environment, people are moving less. Um, you know, they're not leaving their homes as much. Um, and we're seeing increases in, in, in chronic conditions, that way worsening underlying conditions. So they're, they're moving less and they're weighing more, two things that really uh, play a role. Then you've got, you know, um, uh, increasing mental health diagnoses and substance use. And all these factors are really conspiring to make chronic conditions worse uh, and and really becoming a greater burden to everybody, you know, to providers, uh, patients, and and employers. So, a major, I think, focus needs to be managing people beyond the physician visit, beyond the beyond the provider visit. Mm -hmm. I know that we're all in new territory with COVID. We're still experiencing some different levels of guidelines. Um, Right. But what is what has been the most surprising aspect of it for you? What has been the biggest problem or the biggest surprise as far as being able to treat those patients be with those with those chronic conditions to make sure they are doing what they need to be doing to take care of themselves and to uh, ensure as good a health as they can have? Right. So with with people, many people staying home. Uh, many folks being in more uh, challenging circumstances because of COVID, you know, we're seeing a lot more use of digital just in general. Uh, people have a digital life and they're engaging and they're using their phones more uh, and they're engaging with technology more. They're at, they're at home more in many mm -hmm. cases. Uh, and so one of the things, I mean, we've ex we've expected for a long time an acceleration into telehealth as you know, you've talked about in previous uh, podcast, but also an acceleration into digital health. And we kind, kind of knew that was coming over time. I, I think it has been a tremendous surprise to everybody just how much this has accelerated in terms of people who had already been solving their problem of where they order their you know, toothbrush and mouthwash and, and everything else from in their Instacart and, and all that, and now really engaging not just provider visits and telehealth, but just engaging health itself, engaging digital health at a much higher rate. Another big surprise, and we've seen this at Dario, by the way, is you know I came into this thinking, okay, maybe seniors aren't going to use uh, digital health as much as others. And then you know, looking at our own data, we're somewhere between 26 and 28% of our users are over the age of 65. So the, I think that there's this common myth that older folks don't use technology. And believe me, they do. They, they, they use tech, they leave those phones plugged in and charged in the rare event that the grandkids might call, they're on the Facebook, they're, they're using digital and they're using it more than I think anybody expected. Mm -hmm. yeah. Are there certain tools that, that people are adopting faster or more effectively during this sort of lockdown period that we're experiencing? Yeah, so certainly, uh, and you've covered this, I think at length where people are seeing their, when they can, they see providers by telehealth. I mean, for appropriate, mm. sometimes you can't do that, right? Sometimes that's not the right way to engage. So certainly we see value there. But we're seeing people certainly use our application. And, and as we look across the ecosystem, we see the litmus test being, is it simple? Is it easy? Is it intuitive? Uh, does it create value for me? I mean, we think in, in healthcare, we think a lot about diagnoses and conditions and managing those, and that's fine. Uh, but from a 
person, from a user's perspective, from a patient, a member's perspective, it's really much more about what matters to me rather than what's the matter with me. Mm-hmm. And so solutions that uh, really cross that, that, are cons- that have consumerism in their DNA um, and that really are designed to be useful to people for the problems they're experiencing. Because, you know, I, I think there's a lot of solutions out there that will educate you on how you should eat and how you should move. And certainly nobody can be against education. But at the end of the day, you know, just using diabetes as an example, everybody knows they're not supposed to eat that pie. Everybody <laughs> knows they're supposed to take their medicine. Everybody knows they're supposed to exercise. So, yeah, sure, education is great. But what are the tools that can actually make my life easier? Right. Mm-hmm. So for us, the litmus test is really engagement, uh, simple tools, intuitive tools that really are uh, designed with a consumer focus. Those are the ones that people are going to use. And, and the ones that they aren't going to use are all these sort of health portals that are out there that, that really are uh, cumbersome and awkward and asking people to do a lot of work. And, and let's just be honest, if people are already overwhelmed with chronic right. conditions. How much work are we going to ask them to do? You, you nailed it. It's we want it easily. I've talked about this on the podcast before. I've gotten, uh, I've, I've, I should have invested in Amazon stock uh, as soon as this went down because I sure have uh, put a lot of money in Jeff Bezos's pockets. So, sure. Because I just it's, got the packages it, on the doorstep today. Yep, I get exactly. It. Because it's easy. Because you go right. in there and it works. And I've even tried other uh, online shopping carts, and they're just. They're not designed as easily. It just really boils down to that, and the prices aren't often as as good as well. So, what are you looking for if you're designing something or you're involved with the product? What are some of the things that you're looking for? Because you want to make that where that patient, that consumer, gets it, and it's easy for them. So, what are what are you looking at, Omar? Right, and what I'm, you know, I think it's a great question, and you know. What we're really doing is listening because what you need is a lot of very, you need a very rapid product update cadence because what's really happening is that people like me and others, we're never going to figure out what these things should look like. But the people who are using those products uh, have a ton of feedback about how they should be and what they like and what they don't like. And, you know, Dario began in the direct to consumer space, Mm -hmm. right? Acquired over 50,000 people who are paying out of pocket. Uh, to use these solutions. And if you're a direct-to-consumer company, which we were, and we still have those users on platform, um, you know, you have to delight consumers or else you die. Amazon went through the same thing. Others go through the same thing, which is, you know, let the people who are using your solution be your uh, teachers. And Mm -hmm. I think uh, that that's really the answer. And then the question is what, you know, what are the challenges and pain points in your life? What would help you solve those? Uh, and how can we do it better and simpler? You know, what steps can we remove? It's, it's real easy to add things. It's very, very difficult to subtract and simplify and understand user journeys and understand digital experience design so that it really is extremely intuitive, easy, and it fits into your day. I mean, people, people wake up in the morning and they generally think, you know, people want to do the right thing. They want to go to the pharmacy. They want to jump on their bike. They want to go for a walk. They want to do all those things. They have grand plans to do this throughout the day. And then life gets in the way, right? All the things that happen again, I, I intended to eat well, I've made my New Year's resolution, but things get in the way. And so the real question is, can digital solutions uh, provide support in those challenging areas where life gets in the way? And, and that's what we're looking for. We're looking for solutions that make life easier. 
you were talking about how you you guys started out working direct to consumer. Right. Um, now you've you've branched out. You're working with healthcare professionals, healthcare That's workers right. as well. Yep. When you're working with them, I'm assuming that because everybody wants digital tools uh, and systems to be easy, but beyond just pure ease, um, are there some common questions, some common themes that you're hearing back from those healthcare professionals that they want from some of the digital tools that you're providing them with? Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to clinical outcomes and low friction. And so if you're a provider, uh, if you're a health system or somebody uh, looking for a digital tool, maybe you're looking for remote monitoring, maybe you're looking for a way to accelerate digital health, maybe you're looking for a way to improve quality and close some of those quality gaps as well, uh, or to collect on value-based payments, uh, for example, you need to make sure that the solutions that you deploy don't require a lot of effort, right? They, they don't require a heavy lift. They don't require you to add employees, for example. Uh, they don't have a heavy technology lift on your end. You're looking for solutions that can integrate, because that's really important. Obviously, you've, you've done podcasts on interoperability, so you you know that you're looking for solutions that can integrate, but you're also looking for solutions that can be effective without having to integrate so that folks can get started quickly, easily with low operational lift. Um, they don't burden the providers. It's not another alert. I mean, God knows we've ha we have enough alerts. We don't, we don't need uh, <laughs> more. We don't need more work. We don't need more. Um, you know, what we really need is a way of, because at the end of the day, you know, as a physician myself, you know, what we really want is to support people um, to make the kinds of behavioral changes uh, that make their life easier. So tools that are going to win here are the ones that are low friction, low effort on the, provider, the, on the part of the providers, but then on the part of the systems, especially in own groups and stuff like that, um, not a lot of heavy operational lift, not a lot of technology lift, uh, flexibility in terms of how they're deployed, uh, and the ability to drive quality and also revenue. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that one of the areas that you're focused on in digital health is remote patient monitoring. Talk to us about that. What has that looked like in a pandemic? Has that been a godsend? Has it been a challenge? I mean, give us a little idea of right. what that picture has looked like over the last 10, 11 months here. Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a great question. You know, and, and, and I'm, I'm laughing because I, I heard in one of your recent podcasts where you were joking with the guest that that the phrase telehealth is here to stay is sort of the catchphrase of the year. And, and it is, look, to be honest, it, it is a tired refrain. Right. And a lot of focus really has been on telehealth. But but the reality is, is, is providers are under a lot of pressure, right? People, mm -hmm. doctors, folks are under a lot of pressure to drive the outcomes uh, without really all the tools necessary to drive those outcomes. A lot of the stuff people are being asked to do, doctors and others, it really is outside their control. I mean, sure, you can counsel people on, on uh, moving more and exercising more and, and maybe doing grocery shopping differently or sleeping differently or all those kind of core seven or eight behaviors that, that really drive, drive outcomes. You can do that. You have a few minutes to do that. Um, but what, what's really needed to, to deliver on that is to give people access to tools that they can use for self-management. So that's a win-win that's a because that's a win for the patient and for the provider, especially if the providers can be you know, reimbursed for for using those tools. So I think what we're, what we're seeing is, you know, at first we were seeing some hesitancy, like, okay, um, I get it. So you're saying I, I could drive quality or maybe be reimbursed for helping people use these tools, but how complicated is that gonna be? Who on my staff is gonna do it? How much effort? 
Um, am I taking financial risk when I do this? And so the, the, I think the, the market has shifted so that the leading providers, the, the, the winning solutions have been one that, uh, ones that really take, uh, offload some of the risk from the providers, provide the tools, provide the engagement for them, provide the reporting that they need to be able to bill for that. And especially um, are low friction because the last thing you want is, you know, if you're a provider, if you're a doc out there, uh, is uh, to be getting complaints from people over some solution that you recommended or that your staff recommended. So having something that's really designed for consumers, that's simple, um, and that can help you, you know, deliver value on, on those value-based contracts or bring in revenue um, and, and really just be clinically effective. That, that's what we're looking for. So we're seeing some accelerated adoption. Obviously, you know, there's, new, there's the codes, for reimbursement on the government side, mm-hmm. uh, you know, commercial has been a little slower uh, to adopt there, but it is coming. I mean, that's just generally how change evolves is, is you know, you get reimbursement uh, on the government lines of business and then commercial and others uh, follow afterwards. So mm-hmm. you see the value, which we're starting to really see here, um, you're going to see more, more innovation in this space. And this, this notion that telehealth is here to stay will be replaced with digital health is here to stay. <laughs> and I, I think, and then we can laugh about that next year. Right, <laughs> exactly. So I know that our audience, they love to be able to measure and analyze things so they see what's working, what's not working. What are some of the KPIs that you'd advise them uh, to be measuring right now is to to make sure that their digital health options that they've put money into that they're working. Right. Yeah, and look, I, I think that's really important because what what we see at Dario when we look at the market, mm-hmm. we see a lot of solutions that are not providing transparency. Um, they're not really uh, delivering on the metrics. So if you want to know, you know. How many users were uh, actually using the solution? What were they doing in the digital health when they were in there? What's happening to their outcomes? Uh, you know, if you can't have clear reporting on that, then that should be a deal breaker. So I think you know, engagement and clear reporting are, are really table stakes. And then if you invest as a provider, as a doc, if you invest in some solution and then nobody's actually using it, doesn't matter how much ROI they said they would provide or you know, if you're only getting that on... Uh, you know, a small number of people, that's not worth it. So engagement is everything. I mean, engagement is one, two, and three. And, and by that, I just simply mean, look, if you're going to recommend something, if you're going to use a tool or a solution, how many people are actually going to use it? And what do you know about how much people like it, how much they use it, how much they recommend it? And so really, uh, I think it's, uh, you know, the, the kinds of KPIs you should be looking at is enrollment rates, engagement rates and clinical outcomes. Uh, and, and, and in all of that, engagement is really number one. Uh, and so if it's a diabetes solution, I want to know what's happening to their uh, blood glucose, what's happening to their uh, HbO1c or estimated HbO1c. If it's, a, if it's a blood pressure solution, I want to know what's happening to the blood pressure. And then similarly for musculoskeletal or behavioral health or anything else, you know, uh, measurement-based care. Show, you know, it's sort of like, show me the money, show me the outcomes. Right. <laughs> right. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to return to something that you mentioned earlier. Uh, we've been talking about the digital and the technical side, but you know what we're measuring here is uh, some behaviors that right. chronic care patients have. And right. you had talked about behaviors earlier. I know that's something you're passionate about. Um, 
I don't mind you plug in a book that you wrote years ago about craving and, and what's going on <laughs> neurologically and psychologically with people. But talk to us about behavior and behavioral change and some things that uh, you see in your uh, research that, that really needs to take place for people to improve their health. Yeah. Well, I see you. I see you did your research, Andrew. Yes, I did write a book. It was a best-selling book called called Cravings, sort of about why we crave, where cravings come from. But really, it, it comes down to behavioral science. And for Dario, um, it really Dario exists for one reason, which is to provide sustained behavior change in people with chronic conditions. And and so at the end of the day, if you want to reduce ER visits, if you want to improve health, if you want to reduce hospitalizations and help people, you've got to help people change behavior. Because at the end of the day, if you change 50 or 100 or 200 things a person does, can have a very dramatic impact on outcomes. But if you want to change behavior, you need two things. You need behavioral science, right? An understanding of behavioral science, which is not just behavioral economics. It's not like pay people to do things or give them wellness incentives or something like that. I mean, those are those can have a small impact at the margins, sometimes larger impact, but at the but but really it's about applying behavioral science to these kinds of solutions so that there's an understanding of what motivates people, what interests them, what what turns them on and what turns them off, what they'd be willing to try, what they're curious about, what matters to them. Mm-hmm. So that's important, right? And then you also need personalization. I think in healthcare we've talked for God, we've talked forever about one size doesn't fit all. And we know that, and at every conference we go to, it's like, well, one size doesn't fit all. <laughs> but then we keep selling and deploying one size fits all solutions. Right. And to be honest with you, most of, the, most of the digital health tools that are out there and RPM tools out there are really one size fits all. They don't personalize. So we, you know, we paid attention to that and said, okay, lesson learned. Uh, and so at Dario have deployed adaptive or dynamic personalization so that the solutions are personalized for timing, tone, content, channel, frequency, intervention, all these domains where people are just different. Like, you know, uh, what I'm willing to do versus what my mom's willing to do, or, or even over time. Like what I was willing to do last week, I may not be willing to do this week. And so only a solution that can flexibly adapt to me is gonna be useful or else I'm just gonna delete the app and say, forget it, this is a waste of time and it's annoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. So. I have to turn the tables on you then on a personal <laughs> note. <laughs> what are you doing to maintain a healthy work-life balance? What are, are there any behavioral changes that you've made or anything that you're doing out there to keep yourself healthy um, physically and mentally uh, during this pandemic? Yeah, you know, uh, we're, we're blessed. I mean, fortunately, I think there's so many folks who have lost work and, and I, I especially feel for people who are in domestic violence or intimate partner violence or substance use or all kinds of challenges at home right now um, where they're really trapped in some ways in a very difficult situation. I mean, for me, uh, my, you know, my work for many years has been uh, running through airports, 120,000, 150,000 airline miles a year, trying to find a way to eat healthy and exercise in hotel gyms and on the road. Um, and then all of a sudden I woke up one day in March and there was no, there were no more flights and there were no more airports, there were no more hotel gyms. And I thought, well, this is great. I'll be so healthy. And then I wasn't. Uh, and, and, and so I found that, okay, well, wait a minute. Uh, you know, each situation requires its unique challenges. I was sitting on my office chair and taking Zoom calls back to back. And, and so then I realized uh, after about a month or so, this isn't working. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I even went to my doctor and he was like, I was having some hip pain. And he was like, well, it's because you're sitting more than you ever have in your life. This last month, mm-hmm. I was sitting more than I ever had in my life. The first month of the pandemic, I mean. So, so that was in March. So I was like, all right, I have to, I have to do something. So I did what, you know, many people do. I started jumping on the exercise bike. I signed up for um, uh, kind of a vegan uh, meal service around here and, and just try to kind of, kind of turn it around in terms of uh, my activities. And then also socially, because if you're at home and you're, uh, you know, social distancing is one of the worst terms in the world. It's really physical distancing. Right. We have to do everything we, everything in our power to maintain social connection. And so for me, it's been, you know, just uh, phone calls or, or, or physically distanced uh, meetings in the backyard uh, or neighbors and stuff like that. And I think that all of those are really important. Eating differently, moving differently, engaging and interacting differently, and a focus on sleep have been the big, big um, uh, efforts that I've put in in the last six months or so. And I, I, it's really paying off. That's good. That's great advice. So want to get some final thoughts from you then, because uh, we've got a lot of people at medical practices and other health systems listening here, and they're, they might be struggling a little bit with how to deal with some of the patients in those chronic care situations. What is some final advice then you'd give, some first steps maybe that they could take to really connect with those patients and see some better outcomes for them? Yeah, what a great question. So, so I think really an emphasis on what's important to people. What's been going on during this uh, time period? Uh, are they like me, where it's been a lot of time uh, not moving as much as we used to, or maybe not eating as well? Um, for others, it could be substances or other things that have increased. So, you know, questions around um, how open are you to trying something, uh, you know, digital to support your health. And, and then also, I think, recognizing that uh, people have, in many ways, been deferring or delaying care uh, during this time. So as that begins to reemerge and people are coming in with more challenges and diseases naturally progress, but they accelerate during, during pandemics like this, uh, then it's really about providing the tools and support um, that can be helpful for them. And, and I think digital solutions are a part, an important part of that. We are headed to a world where most care can be delivered virtually uh, for, for most conditions. That's not true across the board, but we're headed towards that. Um, and it's certainly going to increase. It's not going to go backwards. Uh, and so I think it's really about surveying the landscape and finding those tools that are efficient, that are flexible, um, and that can, that can support uh, the objectives of, of, uh, of your practices. All right. Well, Omar, thanks so much for joining us today and sharing these insights with us. My pleasure. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Insights. Thanks to our guest, Dr. Omar Manajwala. Also, thanks to MGMA for its new medical practice evaluation tool. It's a comprehensive web-based assessment built around MGMA's practice data and body of knowledge. Visit mgma.com slash M-P-E-T for more information. Also, if you want to master the revenue cycle in your practice, register for the upcoming certificate program in revenue cycle management by visiting mgma.com slash events. If you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. If you have topics you'd like us to cover or experts you'd like us to interview, 
email us at podcast at mgma.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at MGMA Daniel. MGMA Insights is presented by Declan McGee, Rob Ketchum, and I'm Daniel Williams. Stay safe and thanks for listening. Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership. Thanks.